0: Good morning, church family. For those who don't know, my name is Byron. I'm one of the most recent um, ordained ministers for the church. And I'm glad to be here with you on this first Sunday of Lent. Um, Thank you first to Pastor David and to the deacons, the leaders of First Baptist Church of Decatur, for allowing me the opportunity just to share um, during this first Sunday of Lent. Um, For those who don't know, I am married. I have a beautiful bride named Courtney. And we recently had our first child named Naomi, who, in many ways, came on our toes, both figuratively and very literally, as we tried to put her down to rest and to sleep. Um, So in some ways, I enter into this text as a fellow transitioner in many different ways, obviously because of Naomi and in the fatherhood. But I think this text also offers us transitions and what we can do and how Jesus embodied transition by listening to the Spirit because the Spirit is speaking. And this text invites us to hear, to receive, and to respond with the speaking of the Spirit within us and through us. And so from the beginning of the Gospel, the writer creates a connection to display who Jesus is and how he's bringing a good news. For the first century hearers, this pronouncement of Jesus bringing a good news would have immediately clicked to them as they heard Son of God the political undertones posed by the author. Good news in the Greco-Roman world is linked to the announcement of a military victory. And here we find Mark saying that new victory is beginning. Unlike the militant conquest familiar to the hearers, which would have included bombastic announcements through instruments, singing, dancing, you name it, we are told in this passage of a voice crying out in the wilderness. Drawing from the passage in Isaiah, the Gospel writer is proclaiming that a prophet is once again calling the Judean community to repent and prepare themselves for who is to come after him. Up to this point, some scholars have noted how there had been a time when there were no prophets to speak for hundreds of years, perhaps. It is in this historical backdrop that we encounter the personification of the Spirit's voice embodied by John the Baptist ushering into a new opportunity for the people of God to prepare themselves for encounter with God. In 2008, I had the privilege of traveling to Israel uh, to promote an interfaith dialogue using football as a medium. During this trip, I had the incredible opportunity to see scripture really come to life, like seeing tangible things, the Valley of Elah, so many different things. But I also had the privilege of going to actually the River Jordan, which is where our text sites for today. The site we went to obviously was very manicured and it had groundskeeping, green space, all the amenities you think for tourist trap essentially. And so what we did, after reading the passage like we hear from today, myself and the others from the group took turns baptizing each other. It was a surreal experience to be literally submerged in the same body where Jesus was a millennia ago as he walked from Jerusalem to Jordan. Unfortunately as my friend was pouring the ritual on me, <laughs> we both ended up slipping, leaving both of us flailing, trying to find our footing in the middle of the river. To my friend's offense, I was much bigger than from playing college football. And while I didn't hear a voice from heaven upon a rising out of the water, I did thank heaven that I actually survived the encounter because it could have turned out pretty bad. Thankfully, as our text demonstrates, belovedness comes by being, and not our productivity or our mistakes. In verse 10, the Gospel writer describes the awesome scene of the sky being torn open, literally being ripped apart in the Greek, and the Spirit descending upon Jesus like a dove, upon which a voice from heaven calls Jesus Beloved, or one who is divinely loved. Beloved, in this passage, is derived from the root word agape, which we're remember with with that, it is a divine love that the Spirit affirms that Jesus, before he has done anything, before he has said anything, at least in this gospel, is one in whom God is well pleased. This, according to my commentary, is believed to be a private theophany, or a private manifestation or encounter with God, which is helpful, at least for me, that it stands as a reminder that our identity as children of God we are who God says we are. Woven to the fabric of our society and sometimes even our own spirits, there can be a constant pressure to produce, or rather a pressure to be perfect. While being productive is good and striving to have high morales and goals is good and serves its own purpose in the right context, understanding that like Jesus, our belovedness comes from being in Christ. And it is from this beloved affirmation that we have the literary privilege of seeing how it was a Spirit who drove or cast Jesus into the wilderness. I must admit, although I have read this passage many times, it seems odd, for why would the Spirit send Jesus to the desert so abruptly? In both the Gospel of Matthew and Luke, Jesus is said to be led, seems very nicely, be led by the Spirit, or empowered by the Spirit. in Mark, we are told that Jesus is cast out by the Spirit into the wilderness. This sudden shift is jarring, at least for me, but if we remember how the Gospel writer introduces Jesus, we can get greater clarity as to why Jesus was driven into the wilderness, and that is in that Jesus is coming to bring a good news as the Son of God. Jesus portrayed by Mark is on a mission to bring a new world order, or perhaps better stated, a renewed world order in which creation is once again in alignment with God's kingdom. This is why willfully listening to the spirit allows himself to be tempted by Satan, surrounded by wild beasts, and tempted by angels. It is both reminiscent of, again, the Isaiah passage before mentioned, as well as images of Eden where a scholar, Dr. Alan Colbert, suggests that Christ is now the new Adam in which he has been driven by the spirit. Jesus confronts Satan and other evil powers which are believed to dwell in very desolate places. It's so by going to the wilderness, Jesus is also entering into a critical space of discernment within the Hebrew tradition and human experience. Within the Hebrew tradition, Jesus' wilderness experience explains or echoes that of the Exodus in which the people of God, the people of Israel, wandered within the wilderness for 40 years. After being liberated by Pharaoh, the Israelites, albeit because of their own action according to the books of Exodus, have to endure their hardships of the wilderness. During both the Exodus and Jesus' experience, however, we again have the literary privilege to see that God is with them. There is a theme of not only discernment in the desert, but deliverance. While both instances depict individuals who are driven to the wilderness, God does not leave them, them, them there unattended. Whether it was from manna from heaven, or a guiding fire by night, or angels who waited on Jesus, God guided people to deliverance and provided them what they needed to endure the wilderness experience is from drawing on this experience, I am reminded of the brilliant womanist scholar, Dolores Williams, and her work, Sisters in the Wilderness. Using the story, using the story of, of Hagar and God's deliverance for her, Williams describes how the wilderness experience is also a symbolic term that can be used to represent a near destruction situation, particularly for black women, in which God gives personal direction to the believer and thereby helps her make a way of what she thought was no way. Williams admits that the wilderness motif has been linked to the African-American experience for centuries and is evident by spirituals, including Deep River, which was incredibly sung earlier before I came on. But here again the lyrics of the song. As the gospel feasts, that promised land, where all is peace revealed by the vocalist is a desire for liberation and peace from the oppression of Jim Crow and racism. A peace that comes from a willingness to venture into the wilderness, not only in a societal sense, but within ourselves. The prolific American writer, and activist James Baldwin, I believe is correct in assessing how the history of America's issues with race is not something we read but also is present within us in all that we do. There is a wilderness within each of us that God is wanting us to cast into so that God can deliver us through it and is using it to transition us to seek the kingdom more clearly. But let's be honest. Let's be real. We all, to some degree, are aware of what this wilderness is within us and may not want to walk through it. To some degree, we may not have to walk through. it. Because of, of how we're placed in our social location, whether economically, status, where it may be, or privilege. But if we are going to do this internal excavation, it will take some humility. Thankfully. As our song for today states God leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble the way of God. It is difficult work, but it is work, I believe the Spirit calls to us and that Jesus embodies, even in difficult times, or rather, especially in difficult times. Moving to our last transition in the text, the first sentence is important in displaying how Jesus is continuing to bring a new world order. It says, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent, believe in the good news. What caught my attention is the immediacy and the timing of Jesus proclaiming the good news. John getting arrested for what Jesus is doing now doesn't seem to be the best time for Jesus to begin his ministry, but I love that he did. In fact, Jesus used the word kairos, meaning that this is now the opportune time to proclaim the good news. Up to this point, the Spirit spoke to Jesus. But at this point, we have Jesus empowered by the Spirit, courageously proclaiming the kingdom of God is now near. It obviously wasn't a convenient time for Jesus to speak, but after going through his own wilderness experience, Jesus had the kingdom courage to speak and to speak with conviction. The spirit is speaking. Well, we have the kingdom courage to respond to his calling in our own experience. As I mentioned earlier, I'm a hospital chaplain, which has given me a pretty interesting perspective, given the various intersections going on in society right now with the pandemic. This was none more true on January 6th as the White House was stormed by rioters, some of which were wearing or carrying Christian symbols while also brandishing nooses, immediately reminding me of the ever-present evil forces which would want to do harm to me simply because of the color of my skin. While working to create space for medical staff uh, during work, the process and also, passing my own reaction, I couldn't help but ask myself internally, "What will the church proclaim after witnessing these events?" It's with great privilege that I can say that we, as a church, had the keen courage to say that such actions are wrong and do not testify to the God we see in our Bible as a black man with a black daughter, I appreciate such kingdom courage of our church. And I think it invites us as individuals to go into our own wilderness experience, whatever that may look like, wherever that may lead us. Because in many ways, now is Cairo's time, the opportune time to allow the spirit to speak to and through us. May the Spirit speak through us to affirm the immeasurable worth of each person, not in spite of who they are, but because of who they are as God's image bearers. May the Spirit speak through us so that we may acknowledge our own mistakes of how we have unknowingly brought harm to others. May the Spirit guide us to deliver us from temptation of comfort and from evil of injustice for in that lies the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. The question then comes how then might we begin this internal trek to our own wilderness for which I have found two questions helpful for me in processing this. May we take time and ask the Spirit to first show to us during the season of Lent what is The wilderness within me that you're driving me to. It may be very specific, in which God is calling you to. And secondly, how can I meet you in the wilderness spirit? And asking these questions, you may be encouraged knowing that God is already there waiting on us to deliver us from it. The spirit is speaking to each of us during this season. May we receive the word of the Lord and may God continue to proclaim the good news through us, for the kingdom of God has come near. May grace be with you. Thank you all, amen.